Yamba. 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 I can assure you this is this op this weird opening is a hundred percent actually on topic. Yamba. Anyway. <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome to the Skeleton Crew Podcast. I'm your host, Strauss. That's Sardo. Yeah. And we're here talking about um well, this is a companion piece to two other episodes, actually. Unintentional. Wasn't it just planned. sort of happened that way. Life life decided to put us this way. So this is a companion piece to the Persona 5 postmortem. Um mm -hmm. most of you didn't listen to that. We understand. <laughs> We saw That's the runtime. <laughs> I I totally get it. My power literally went out trying to get us to stop, and we said nay. <laughs> we and we just kept yoing. <laughs> God, I haven't thought about that vine in like a thousand years. <laughs> the other companion piece this is related to is we did a look ahead to Infinite Wealth that's coming out in January. So, and I recently finished a game we both deeply love, which is Yakuza 7, or it's simply called... Like a Dragon. Just called Like a Dragon. Do you know what its Japanese name is? I only uh, recently no. learned this. So, what is it? Okay. I can see why they went with Like a Dragon. Hold well, on, I have to look it up. The Japanese name for this game is... Basically... Okay, how... Oh, great. Why did they put it like this? I don't know how to read Japanese. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whereabouts of light and darkness. Okay. I can see why they didn't go with that. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, but yeah, I can see why they went with, like, a it dragon. It makes sense, but it makes it sound very different from what it is. Yes. It's, it's one of those where it's like, I get why you did it. You don't need to explain yourself to me. It's okay. It's okay. But yes, it's uh, we're talking about the whereabouts of light and darkness. <laughs> yeah. Or like a dragon in U the United States, or simply known and is probably what we're going to refer to it to it as uh, like a dragon, or Yakuza mm -hmm. Seven. Yeah. Good. Good. Why seven? Yeah. Why seven? You ask. <laughs> because well, we like why? it. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, folks, we're talking about like a dragon. Dragon. Uh, this might be a. I don't think it's going to be a super long one. I. I think. We'll, we'll. We'll try to keep it brevitous as possible. Is we're, that we're, a word? I, I don't. Maybe. I don't know. Luckily, the game is nowhere near as long as Persona Five, so we don't have like ten thousand hours of material to talk about yeah i mean there is material after the post game but the post game no one gives a shit about it's not really that important yeah. so but... let's get started yeah do you want to introduce this game to us so sardonicus rex of uh, it's dinosaurs it's, per <laughs> it's persona 5 with more old people and and better, but I, I'm gonna say now. I'm I'm very sorry. I love Persona Five. It's better written than Persona Five. Yeah. Spo spoilers for for my opinions. Oh wow! Just jump right into it then. Well, I was gonna I, say I'm... I was. I mean, I don't disagree with that. But we're gonna get into why that is and what we mean by that because it's not like better written in the simple way of just one thing. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like one thing we we liked it wanted just open up with since we started with that is that we want it to be made abundantly clear that we are talking about Persona Five because these games are hilariously similar. They a lot of the same beats. They really do. Like, for some reason, someone at RGG Studios went like, I, basically went, can we copy your homework? Yeah, and they just went like, change it to a little different. Yeah, and then they got higher marks on it. <laughs> but it, it hits some similar topics as in uh, the undesirables of Japanese society, gray zones, corrupt politicians, Basically, uh, relatively the same villain plot. Basically, kind of, which is just weird. Sorta. Uh, two two girls named Futaba. <laughs> yeah, played by the same person. This was likely a gag. We proved this gag. Cassandra Lee Morris was here again as as a small child instead of a cat this time, but. That's basically characters. the same thing. Oh, yeah. God, it was so funny when that happened. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a bit. But, but it, it hits a lot of the strikingly similar kind of notes thematically, and it's just funny. <laughs> yeah, it, it, we want this to be made abundantly clear. We are not saying this to pretend like, oh, we know we're trying to make, like, this compare and contrast aspect is not because... We're just I we I played these two games in a row. It's because these actually happen to be weirdly similar games. It it I don't know. It's just it's a funny quinky dink. It, it really is. It's a weird coincidence that makes you go, huh? But let's talk about the game itself. So, Yakuza Seven features one man, Ichiban Kasuga. His name literally means number one, and he is number one in all our hearts. Yeah, he really He's is. a young Yakuza underling who really loves Dragon Quest and is, I think it's fair to say, he's pure of heart. He, he's he, a, he is the closest you're going to get to pure of heart. He's a kind young man. His kind of establishing character moment is in the beginning where he's supposed to be out on New Year's Eve collecting money that he's that his like um family is owed and he gets almost none of it back he's very very merciful and understanding with people to a fault <laughs> the best way to really put it is he is probably the nicest guy to be a criminal you're he's ever awful going... at his job <laughs> just He's one of those characters that you wonder how he got here. Yeah. And, and we, you, we get into how... The, the game explains itself, but it's also like, okay, I get how you got here, but also... Really? <laughs> okay. So... Uh, yeah. You, you want to start... Let, I think we should just start with what happens in this game. So, the, now it doesn't start out with Ichiban. We instead start out with uh, Ichiban's kind of father figure, Masumi Arakawa, who is voiced by George Takai, who does a spectacular job in the English dub. Like, we we played the English dub for okay. the um, Actually, we for should the probably, stream. Actually, we should probably mention that. We have 
heard this game in both language tracks. Yes. We So when we say certain things about the acting, we're probably speaking generally towards both, unless we specifically have to point it out. Yeah. But yeah, we need to give credit to not just George Decay, but also for... Well, okay, actually, we're talking about the younger, well, youngest yes. version this of is... this character of Mas- Masumi Arakawa. This is Arakawa, and he was just a boy. <laughs> yes. In, like, the 1970s or whatever. When actually, he's... It might be actually earlier than that. Maybe. But he's he's a young boy, and he's he's part of an acting troupe. And his his mother is very cruel and abusive. We we can see that she gave him a huge scar on his face that he has to cover with makeup. And he he seems like a sweet kid who's got a really rough life. Mm-hmm. And so we we stick with him for a second. He's kind of part of the opening scene. He's he's in a play. And eventually we move on to his underling, Ichiban Kasuga, who we just talked about. Yeah. And basically, uh, get get ready to hear the words of bad things happen when people go get Peking duck in this. In this no, nobody gets their fucking Peking duck the way they want to. They really like, don't. It's really shocking. I, I'm starting to think that getting Peking duck is just a euphemism for killing someone. <laughs> At least in this story, it definitely is. It's like, you know, somebody's going to come up to you like, hey, Sardo, you want to go get Peking Duck? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm on to you, no, man. You're, 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 this is a dog with Vietnam flashbacks. <laughs> it's like, you're, you're going to shoot my father, aren't you? You're going to shoot my father in front of me. So what happens shoot is, me. in this small opening movie is that Masumi Arakawa gets up, goes to the bathroom like you do. And when he comes and back, his do. father has been shot. Yes, he's been assassinated. For reasons that we don't know. We will learn later, but anyway, what happens afterwards is we then go to, not the present day, but the year 2000. The year 2000. Robots rule the earth. (laughs) Uh, We were going for two very different songs. But then that's when we meet Ichiban. We see sort of his daily life in and around Kamurocho. And then we also see that he go, one of his duties as a, uh, to to the Arakawa family, who he now works for a much older Arakawa who looks cool as hell because he wears like a glove on his hand. Just the one glove. Just, just the one. And we see he goes to, he also has to take care of Arakawa's son, Masato, who is, He's, it, it's never quite specified what Masato's disability is, but he is, he is in a wheelchair. Oh, I was going to talk um, about what he looks like. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was trying to, like, decide, like, yes, no, he, uh, he is disabled. I think it's, it's implied that he had maybe, like, something, something more to do with his lungs, because we'll, we'll get to that. Anyway, yeah, that, but yes, important. how does he look? He, he, I, I was, like, trying to think of, like... Like a very angry cat. <laughs> he's he's very he's very early two thousands emo. He's he's emo in the genuine sense of the word. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, we have to understand that he lives in a country where, like, being disabled isn't the most enjoyable thing to be. There's there's even more of a stigma in, in Japan on disability than there is here in the U.S., and that's saying something, because... We're not great yeah. about it either. <laughs> We're a car-driving society, and being... Basically, the point is, being Masato sucks. Because he's mm -hmm. trying to have a, a good life. And, and he's trying to, like, kind of have a reputation as this the son of this, like, you know, Yakuza patriarch. He's trying to be cool and all that jazz. It doesn't work out. He goes to a, a host club. The host he really likes um, is revealed, doesn't really give a shit about him, which, you know. She's just using him for his money. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, likes this one, this way older man. <laughs> he will become and, important later. <laughs> and Masato and Ichiban both overhear her conversation with this man that she prefers. Basically saying, yeah, I think Masato's a creep. I don't like him. And, and this is all after, might I add, that because Ichiban's like, you know, Ichiban helps look after him. And Masato's like, you know... I'm I'm gonna do this thing, and he injects himself with this mystery medicine that temporarily it, allows it, him to walk. It, it is quite literally green medical it's, goo. It's the, it's the reanimator goo. Yeah, basically, it, it's green mysterious goo. And, and this was, I think, the silliest part of the story because it's like no, d no, it's not. <laughs> you know, it's not. You know which part I'm thinking of, but I mean, is... silly, silly, just in terms of like. Was this necessary? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But the point is, Masato gets to walk for an evening, and then after hearing this, he tells Ichiban just to go. He's got to be depressed about it by himself, which you know, fair to fair to him. You know, yeah. It's, it's say that Masato's kind of a like. Okay, I get why he's upset, but he's a he is a very surly figure. Yeah, he's he is understandably someone who's been who's been dealt a really shitty hand in a lot of ways. And that this was just, mm -hmm. like, the point of, like, God damn it. Like, I want to be left alone, which is totally fine. I, I want to say that right now, because we're going to be saying a lot about this character down the line for a variety of reasons. He is understandably down in the dumps. Yeah. And when, since we follow Ichiban, the next day he is told that the captain of the Arakawa family, a man named Joe Sawashiro, had murdered a man. And that Ichiban has to take the fall. And Ichiban's like, I'll do it. No problem. Because he's a good boy. And Ichiban goes to prison. Where he's there for 18 years and has the most wonderful experience with bread. <laughs> he... <laughs> And it's kind of a running joke in, in the Yakuza fandom that, that Ichiban eats some spectacularly mottled bread. No, like, the animation on this bread is weirdly extremely good. Like, And there's no reason for it. It's not, it's one of those things where everyone's just like, I'm not sure why, it's one of those things where it's like, someone put a lot of effort in this bread for no reason, but goddamn did they do it. Why not? Yep. Yeah, and it, it just is. It's really funny. <laughs> it's 
it, like he takes a bite of it when he realizes he's gonna be in prison a little while while longer and he just bites into it and it breaks in such a realistic way it's like goddamn but anyway he's in prison for 18 years so all the yakuza games that happen outside of zero one through six and i believe both judgment at least the first judgment game i think Mm-hmm. When does the first judgment take place? I for, I totally do not know. I haven't played them yet. I oh gosh, I forget. But like I at least I think the first judgment game. I'm not sure about Lost Judgment. I think Lost Ju- Judgment happens afterwards. Mm-hmm. All happen during this time period that he's in prison. <laughs> Most of the franchise that matters happens while this boy is mm-hmm. in prison. And when he gets out, he's like 42. He is. Yeah. And there's nobody there to greet him except... Adachi Baby! Yeah, Ichiban, there is nobody nobody to welcome him once he returns to the outside world that he knows. But there is a DMV worker. Well, a, a, <laughs> named a, Adachi. a guy named Adachi. And Adachi wants, has a business with him. Mm-hmm. A business that he doesn't truly understand yet. And won't understand for a bit. But basically what happens is he goes back into Kamurocho, which is the main setting for most of the Yakuza series. And he uh, talks to... Like, people he used to know, and, like, the entire D of Kamarashu is different. You know, like, new stuff is there. Like, the people that he knew, like, changed their lives and got healthy or didn't. And the most important thing is... The Tojo clan's gone. It's all gone. Replaced by the Omi Alliance... Who, if you don't and, know who that is, those are the guys from Osaka. That's all you really need to know in terms of, like, how important this is. And Arakawa has sworn his loyalty to the Omi, which is oh my. fucking catastrophic for Ichiban. <laughs> for reasons. I'm not sure why it's catastrophic for him. I mean, it's, well, I mean, I'd imagine it's because, like, it's kind of a, because the Omi and the Tojo are at odds. Yeah, it makes sense. And so it's it's a betrayal. But it's definitely one of those, like, I'm not sure why you're so beat up about it. You were, like, a low-level goon, man. Yeah. But, point is, he he comes in, he's like, oh my god, what the hell is happening? And he asks, he's like, I want to go... Find Arakawa. I need to know what's happening. And so he do. Sort of. Sort of. Uh, one thing leads to another. Uh, after finally meeting him inside a restaurant during a big meeting, he gets shot by Arakawa and dumped in the trash. Literally just thrown in the garbage. You belong in a garbage can. And so begins the story of Ichiban Kasuda. Proper this time. Yes. And then 
what follows next is he meets a man named Namba. They try to get work because they're homeless. And what we ultimately end up doing is getting caught. They get caught alongside Adachi, who got discharged for this stunt that he pulled, combined with a whole bunch of other stuff, is basically fired before his pension kicks in. And he has no savings, so he's fucked. More on that later. <laughs> more on that later. There's a lot more on this later. And they get caught into this giant conspiracy that leads to ultimately why Ichiban ended up in Yokohama in the first place. Yeah, they're in Yokohama. We should have probably mentioned that. Yes. But basically, the whole thing... Uh, we're not going to bore you with all the details because, like, it's more of, like, this is set up, like... We're not going to tell you why, why they know certain things. <laughs> But the point is, they it all leads to them ending up in Yokohama and getting caught in this giant conspiracy about counterfeit money and what that generally means for Japan, what that means for the head of the ruling political party, and how it plays into the schemes of another of a man named Ryo Aoki, who is the founder of a, of a, of an activist group called Bleach Japan. And you will grow to... Well, no, I'm not going to say you will grow to hate them. I think most folks hate them right out the gate. I think most people hated them from, like, day one. Because they were unlikable. They're presented as very unlikable from the get-go. And they're reprehensible on purpose. Yeah. But they're, they are like, we're going to get rid of the gray zones. And as we learn, a lot of the grays from the very early part who lives in that gray zone, we'll talk more about the politics aspect a bit we're just kind of getting through the stuff uh, mm -hmm. gotta get through the weeds first yes and basically what we learn is basic for each character is like we pick up some more party members we stop a gang war we discover that the omi alliance was able to move in because the tojo clan was was forced out due to insider information provided by arakawa which is like what but as we learn, is that this is actually, like, a double ploy. Because <laughs> all this was part of the plans of Ryo Aoki, who we discover, because Ichiban knows who he is, is that it's actually Masato, who has changed his name, his look, and has leg! <laughs> he, he can use his legs now! <laughs> Which is weird. He, he, he always had legs, he could just walk on them now. <laughs> he has leg! <laughs> he has leg! And yeah, Ichiban recognizes him. It's like, and I, to to Ichiban's credit, Aoki looks super different. Like he, it's amazing what just like shaving your beard and getting a haircut and different clothes can do. <laughs> yeah, no, and also in turn, like maybe a few extra pounds on the face. Yeah, and like the fact that he's like not constantly scowling and speaking in monotone. <laughs> Act not looking like he's miserable every five seconds. Yeah, like, Aoki really, really changed, so kudos to Ichiban for figuring it out right away. <laughs> you, you can tell via the eyes if you look closely enough, but it is, like, it makes sense that Ichiban, who's been sort of like Masato's ca major caretaker, other than his father, it makes sense that he would know. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting. And so we realize, you know, it's like, what is, uh, 
what is a former Yakuza doing in, in the Japanese government now? How now, is he doing this? In Why fairness, I will say Masada was never officially Yakuza, but he is the scion of one. Yes. And basically has the entirety of the one of the two largest Yakuza families at his beck and call is weird. And as we go down that road, we learn that he has a plan to become the new party chair by exposing that the the aging other one. He's not super important. Okikubo. Okikubo. He's not super important in the... He's important in, like, the grand scheme of things, but he's, for this story, kind of just a side character. And, and the, the very short version of like the thing that he outs like threatens to out Ogi Kubo for is that Ogi Kubo was guilty of basically counterfeiting aiding and counterfeiting that was um like being involved with the Gen 3 yeah so basically in in Jinsho that's the fictionalized version of Yokohama that we spent time in there is there's a triad the Leo Mong there is the the Gomi Jewel, the Gomi which, Jewel is the... which is this Korean mobsters who have basically were those left behind by the Jing Wong Mafia that was more important to earlier games. You don't need to know much about them; it's not that important. And these these guys, the the Gomi Jewel, are information brokers. Yeah, they they know everything that's going on in the city, and that's their their currency. Yeah. And the Seryu clan, which is the local Yakuza clan, and that's all you really need to know about them in the grand scheme of things. But Ogikubo was involved in kind of, like, allowing the counterfeiting to go on because he benefited from a lot of it. it basically, a lot of his funding comes from this counterfeiting and or letting it go. And, and it's... Basically, it's a whole long conspiracy thing. That's all you really a lot need of to this, know. A lot of this game is interesting, like, without explaining too much. It's interesting in the ways that it explains, like, well, why do why do politicians and law enforcement turn a blind eye to the, the local criminal activity? It's like, because it's like, even if they're not directly benefiting monetarily from it, it's like, it benefits them in some way to turn a blind eye. Yeah, it's it, as we find out, like part of the reason why the Omi Alliance were able to move into Kamarocho so fast was because suddenly, with the Tojo clan out of the picture, the, the local areas of Kamarocho is basically like suddenly lawless because one of the things the Tojo clan did was kind of keep order from a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what happens. It, it's basically like, oh, shit. Like, as much as we don't like the Yakuza, says society, they kind of serve a purpose in all of this, whether they like they it or not. Do. And they get into that, especially with, with things like the Grey Zones. Yeah. Which we'll get into sort of that a bit more as we talk about themes and thoughts. But basically, yes. as we learn, is that Ryo Aoki, a.k.a. Masato Arakawa, is secretly using the Yakuza to basically front his shit so that he can become party chair and basically be the most powerful man in the country. 
not by being prime minister, but by basically being the head of the party that the prime minister is attached to. Because that actually gives him more control over what happens in politics. And what we learn is, is that, but it, the Yakuza, basically, Watase, uh, explain who Watase is real quick, for those um, who don't know. Watase is, oh gosh, how do I explain this? He is the head of um, the Omi Alliance. Mm-hmm. He's Masaru Watase. <laughs> he was in, I believe, Yakuza 5. Yeah. And basically, if, if I, I'm not as familiar with 4 and 5 as you are. Yeah. And uh, if I remember correctly, a lot of the plot of 5 is basically keeping him in charge of the Omi Alliance. Mm-hmm. Because he's actually, like, not a dick. He's, like, he's a fairly level-headed person, and that's kind of his thing. <laughs> the thing is, he is... The thing about Watase is that he is willing to play ball because he realizes for the Yakuza to keep on thriving, he's going to have to play some ball. Yeah. And that means working with the Tojo clan to some degree and not being petty about the rivalry. And some people in the Omi Alliance don't like that because it grudges die hard. Watase is one of the few who can realize that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. <laughs> and as times are changing, the, uh, the Yakuza needs to change with it, which is why him and Daigo, who is uh, Daigo Do- Dojima, he's the current head of the Tojo clan, he's the sixth head, and... Well, he's not the worst one by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> he's... The, uh, Daigo's biggest law is that he's just a little cringe <laughs> he's a bit cringy but um in a good way yeah the problem is he's the head of the tojo clan through every like bad thing that happens from like yakuza 2 onwards <laughs> he, he just he he gets kind of a bad role <laughs> yeah it's like i'm in charge of when all these bad things happen whether i want them to be or not <laughs> Like, sorry, Daigo, you were never replaced because you're the youngest character here to be in charge. But basically what we learn... Kind of a reasonable sort. Yeah. Basically what happens is him and Watase actually have a plan to dissolve both Yakuza families because, like, they can't get us with all these new anti-Yakuza laws if we don't exist. And so they do, it causes a big stir, and it causes a lot of Ryo Aoki's plans to kind of go up in smoke. Which causes him to put a hit on his father, who dies, because he's one of the main architects of this plane in the first place. And that's basically what leads to the endgame. Which we'll talk about towards the end. Yes. We're skipping over a lot of stuff, mostly because... Like, it's very easy to get lost in the weeds in all of this, which I think is a fair thing to say. Yeah, it's it's a twisty-turny kind of plot. Like, lots of... There's lots of intrigue and scheming and backbiting going on. It's... It does something... Ex- I think the best way to put it, it does a lot of things that... One of the things about the Yakuza games that I have come to both expect, love, and also be annoyed by is that there's going to be some weird-ass twists involved. Mm-hmm. 
And sometimes those weird ass twists are like really good. Like, oh, the head, the current head of the Tojo clan and the scion for the Omi Alliance are both not from Japan. They're both Korean. Mm-hmm. Be, or at least, uh, in I think Ryuji's case, Korean Japanese. Yes. If, if I remember correctly. It's been a while mm-hmm. since I played two. But like, the yeah. point is, it's and also the half or full brother of a different character. That part's kind of weird. <laughs> Interesting, but kind of weird. <laughs> but like, that's like, oh my. Or, oh, the owner of this vacant lot is this woman that Majimu was sent to kill, but didn't. <laughs> Ooh. And, but... and sometimes these twists are, it's a battleship. <laughs> yes, that's literal. <laughs> yes, it's oh. weird. <laughs> the secret of Onomichi. <laughs> not what you'd expect. <laughs> I, I didn't. I did not put two and two together because two was a I, fish. I, I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed because I couldn't think it would be that absurd sounding. It makes sense in context. It's just weird. <laughs> but the but this is a game where the twists make sense and are interesting. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's it's a little convoluted trying to just explain it flat out, but it it makes sense within within the game. Yeah, within the context of the game itself, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, it, it's just you that be... there's a lot of this game isn't super long. It really isn't, but a lot no. does happen in it, which is a very fair thing to say, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. But like, what happens is. Is that we have our deal, and basically the the game ends with Ryoyoki basically being ousted for who he really is, and then that's basically it. There's more to it than that, and we're going to talk about that, but that's basically the overview of what happens. And I think that's a, that's a summary of the plot, so now let's get into the weeds. Let's really dive in. Oh, boy. Uh, where do you want to start, actually? Um, You know what? I think I know where we should start. Okay, go ahead. What's up? I think we should talk about our main about the biggest thing about this game that makes it different from all the other Yakuza games so far. And that's the fact that this is an RPG. Yes. Strauss, what did, what did you think of the, the different play style? So, for those who don't know, real quick before I answer the question, is that previous Yakuza titles were action beat-em-ups sort of in the vein of something like golden axe sort of like you would get get into encounter you would fight people and you'd get ranked on how good you did and be like oh cool look at me going as Kiryu, beating up random thugs who challenged me to a fight yeah but in and this, you had different like oh yeah and you had different fighting you had styles. different fighting styles yeah. like yeah fighting styles uh over the years that they have changed names but you have like the fast one the big, strong one, and then the one the one that's kind of the in-betweener, and then the one that's, like, all three combined to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And those were fun. They, they were always fun, but for some reason they decided, no, let's make this an RPG. We're, we're going to wear our inspiration from Dragon Quest on our sleeve, and even Ichiban himself, like, envisions all of his fights like it's a game of Dragon Quest. It's very goofy. Uh, yeah, that's the context through which he views life. Because he's a nerd. And we love him. 
But I remember when it was announced, I was like, this is weird. I did not see this coming. I was all for it because I, not so secretly, I never told anyone this, but I'm like, I've been wanting an RPG where like everything happens in the real world <laughs> and was like relatively normal for like years. What about you? I I love it. Like I I was pretty down when they mentioned that it was going to be an RPG inspired sort of combat because I like that I I like that kind of game. It's it's something I enjoy. Yeah. And I was not disappointed. No, I wasn't I, I wasn't either. We'll talk a bit more about the gameplay in a second. I also would say the general reaction to most people was skeptic uh, understandable skepticism because yeah, it's different. It wasn't as different. It, this is like the not seventh game. This is like including like three spin-offs, maybe four. I just don't remember when Lost Judgment came out. Mm-hmm. In relation to seven. But it was like at this point, it's been around like ten games of it being a like the last time they really changed up the gameplay style, it did not go over so well. Yeah. And that's Dead Souls, which is the the zombie game. Yes, this has the zombie game. Don't ask. I remember Dead Souls. It's not great. <laughs> it's not great. It's not like the worst game ever, but it's not well liked for a reason. But I think the thing that made the the style change work is because Ichiban's a different character. <laughs> I think that's part of it, but also because they actually like went all in on it. Yeah, it's like it's it's grounded. It uses like the the tone of the universe to its favor. You know, you're you're fighting just like you know the kind of dudes you'd meet on the street. But it's it's got that that flavor to it. It's got that that you know fantasy RPG flavor. <laughs> yeah. Like I think what really makes it work in the end is less so that it's like it, it understands that like. It because the Yakuza games are inherently goofy. It's able to use that inherent goofiness because the funny the joke about the Yakuza series that everyone does is like Yakuza is a serious crime drama while showing the most goofy bullshit that could possibly happen. Especially the side stories. The side yeah. stories are famously silly. They are. They are incredibly silly. And I think the other thing is that it's the the tone by and large, it's silly, it's goofy, but it can veer really easily into being kind of fucking badass too yeah. when it wants to be. Yeah, Yakuza as a franchise is incredibly able to deal with incredible tonal shifts with no issue. It's kind of impressive. just how easily this series can just like shift how it feels no problem yeah but anyway at the end of the day i feel like this change in gameplay was also good because it's been like 10 10 9 9 games with only one that's different and it's refreshing yeah it was refreshing people really liked it and like it, it, it leaned into the fact that this was other outside of just like the goofy aspect of things happening because of Ichiban's own like 
thought process. Yeah. Everyone acted like, like everyone was still just basically fighting as people in the real world. <laughs> just turn-based. It was neat. People thought it was neat. It definitely is flawed in certain ways, and we'll get into that. I, I we might as well talk about it now. Uh, I think the first major problem is this game has job classes. They're really silly and neat. You're not going to really use them. You you don't really... There's not much of a reward to trying the different job classes. It's... You you don't... I think that it's, it's fair to say you don't really feel motivated to, well, to try different stuff. Well, the problem that this game has is that most of your party members who we will talk about because you get more than the ones that we've mentioned don't really benefit from changing their class with a couple, like with a few exceptions mm -hmm. and like outside of like your first three party members, most of them don't really need to be shifted into anything else outside of like a couple of situations. And that's kind of just the inherent problem with the game. It's just that it's a really good game. The job class system isn't bad. It's just that they're not good enough to make you change character's starting job class with, like, one character who desperately needs to be moved out of their starting job class. Yes. And that's hilariously Seiko, <laughs> who is one of the two female party members. But that's only because she's a white mage in a physical combat class's... class's class first and it's just like you weren't meant for this class no let's let's get you fixed sweetie <laughs> yeah it, it's one of those things where it's like it's no one's fault it's not one of those things where anyone's like mad it, it's just outside of a couple of cases like you get all these characters and you don't really have to shift them out of their starting job class like a couple of characters can go into something else but like you get one character who you you'll just never change out of his job class so while we're talking about them, yeah. let's... I want to discuss the party itself. Right. So, first things first, let's just name who they are. We first The first one we meet is technically a Dachi, who is a detective, who, after accuse, after a guy in an investigation was sent to prison falsely... Now, he was the one guy to stick up for, the, for this guy. Yeah. Because he's like, no, this isn't the right guy. We don't have the right guy. We need to do some more work. And everyone else was like, no. We're not. And then, and he's like, and that's how he ended up being a DMV worker. Because he was like, we should do the right thing. And everyone's like, no, we're going to do the wrong thing. <laughs> because we're corrupt. Yes. And then you have the then the next party member you get is non is a man named Namba. Namba. You Namba. Namba. Namba is a former nurse. Is a former nurse. He is the guy who basically saved Ichiban's life after getting shot because he's he applied stitches with like fishing line. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm surprised Ichiban wasn't horribly infected. And. Nanba's interesting because, like, Nanba is homeless mm. yeah, right away. Because, like, Ichiban gets dumped in the trash near a homeless encampment, and that's how Nanba finds him. Mm -hmm. And I, I think Yakuza Seven 
did actually a pretty commendable job of treating its its homeless characters like people, which is like maybe sounding like I'm damning it with faint praise, but no, I I, I, have, a, I have a way to put it. This is probably one of the few stories you're going to read and or watch where the main characters at, interact with not only homeless people, but the treatment of said homeless people and homelessness is ha is handled with a very kind lens. Yeah, there's like there's there's dignity there. Yeah. And it's it's not treated as like a punchline or and, and I mean and even Ichiban himself struggles with things like you know, gainful employment and having a home and I don't know. It's it's one of those things about the game I think is interesting. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> we'll talk more about that in a bit. We're going to talk about sort of this theme stuff in a bit because there's a lot to talk about there. We're just kind of getting past all the the crunchy bits. <laughs> but Nanba is this curmudgeonly dour, you know, he's he's very cynical. He's He's seen some shit. He's really hard on himself. Yeah. I mean, the contrast to Adachi, who's a lot less hard himself, who's much more of, like, a class of, like, good detective who got forced out by being a good detective. Yeah. And then they meet, uh, after their initial big thing to deal with the Seryu clan, they run into a, the sister of a woman that they're helping by the name of Seiko. I'll let you and... take care of this part for a bit. About Seiko is a Seiko tends bar. She has a twin sister, and Seiko is very like she's a dynamite bitch. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> she she doesn't take anyone's shit. She's very like straightforward, blunt, and like she's she's very very caring. But but she definitely does it in kind of like a tough love way. Yeah, I, I think the best way to put it is Seiko is sort of this, this not young woman, she's older-ish woman. It, her age like, is late not, 20s, early 30s. Yeah, it, her age is not really known. It, it's really, it's really, they never state how old she is, but she's probably the youngest member of the party who's, uh, we'll discuss this other person in a bit. But, uh, you know, she's this youngish, she's this youngish lady. Like, I would say she's probably 27 at youngest. Yeah. But, uh, that's only because they don't really mention how old she is. Like, old enough to be a working woman in the world. Yeah, and she's, you know, and she deals with a lot of bullshit. She's, you know, she's, she's this woman who's, like, she's very, like, very independent, very fending for herself, very, like, trying to take care of, like, looking out for her sister and her dad in in kind of like shitty circumstances 
but I really like Seiko. She's she's yeah. great. Strauss. Yeah. You there. Yeah. Oh, I'm still here. Sorry. <laughs> I I didn't hear you for a second. No, but no, I I hadn't said anything. That's why you didn't hear me. No, I, I was but, just letting but... you go. <laughs> Seiko generally, she's like I don't know. She's like, she's very, very no nonsense, very to the point. And I, I think contrasts very nicely with Ichiban because like he's, he's so sweet and thinks the best of people. And she's very like, very suspect of everyone and understandably so. <laughs> That's all I had to say. Yeah, no. And she's, she's very interesting because we don't really get a lot of like female characters throughout out the Oxy games, not because there's like, oh, these games are sexist. I mean, we could talk about that as well. We'll it's, talk it's, about that. It's a very, it's a very boys franchise. <laughs> it, there's a lot of, it's very much a men doing men things. It's a very manly series. Yeah. It's very men doing manly things that are manly. Some manly guys doing manly things. Yeah, but I mean, it also makes sense because this is usually like Yakuza stuff is not even in like, I don't know how much other Yakuza. I like, I don't know how many Yakuza media you see outside of these games, but like, I, you don't see a lot of women involved with Yakuza stuff outside of being like tangentially girlfriends, involved. girlfriends, wives, daughters. You know, the usual stuff. So, Seiko joins us, joins our party. And then, we, and then, you know, they go through, that's when they get most of it. The next party member you're probably going to get, depending on how you play, is probably Airy. And we're just going to be about her real quick, because her whole thing is involved with, like, the goofy B-plot thing that they like putting in these games. Which one's your outside of the cabaret club, Sardo? Which one's your favorite weird B plot? Oh, I, I do enjoy Ichiban Confections. Yeah, the story of Ichiban Confections, the company Ichiban works for. Oh, we've got another guy we got to talk about too. Speaking of, but we'll we're we're on Airy right now. Yeah, I'm going with this Airy first because she has the least to do with the actual plot. She's the guest party member, like. She's played by a woman who's literally named Ari. She was the fan voted in one. I don't know why. She just is. I and she's play. adorable. No, I I like her. I, I don't want this to make this sound like I don't like her. I, I think Ari is the most normal of the party members. <laughs> yeah, because she's not really, like, an import... Because she's, like, a specialized side character... She's not really involved with the main plot, so she's just kind of there. She does give us our other chicken mascot, though. Yes. Omelet. Omelet the other important girl in our party. Yes. This is true. Ari is sort of just like the sweetheart one who... she she She's basically a ninja, which is hilarious. <laughs> and she also has a very horny grandma. <laughs> yes. We, we, we love her stuff 
but grandma is constantly hitting on Ichiban. And and I more accurate that. that or trying to set up her granddaughter with Ichiban. Maybe both. <laughs> Maybe both. Probably both. Probably both. It's great. We love her. <laughs> but after after Ari, we are introduced to one uh one man you might know or have heard of before if you played the other games, Junji Han. Yeah. Jun-gi-han. Uh, a very handsome man in a very shiny black coat. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, it, it always cracks me up a little bit how, like, characters in the game go out of their way to point out that Jun-gi is really ha- handsome. <laughs> like, we have to keep sa- telling you that this is... Uh, it's just it's like, like no we gotta tell you he's hot that guy's really good looking <laughs> and it's like guys and girls pointing out how handsome he is too so it's it's equal opportunity but Jungi works for uh he he works with the gomi jewel uh he's kind of the the manservant the the right hand arm man of uh the most beautiful lady in yakuza 7 which is saying something <laughs> this game and is that's that's short on that's song we song we leader of the gomi jewel the first female lead since uh yayoi was temporary head of the tojo clan 2 and and she is very beautiful and very mean <laughs> Very mean. Uh, doesn't do a lot in this game. It's mostly expedition, but who cares? But but every every time she's on screen, it's like thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but Junki joins our party, uh, and he was actually a body double for the previous Junki Han. It's not that is not his real name. It's not his real identity. He had uh, his father actually subjected him to horrible plastic surgery so he would look exactly like this this other man who was in in charge of the Jinguan mafia so uh he could die in his place if need be and and the of course the first guy ended up dying anyway <laughs> yeah uh so there's a whole thing about that we'll talk more about him in a bit he is the guy we mentioned that you will never change the class of because you won't. He has guns. Actual guns. Yeah, he's the, he uses gun. And he's, he's kind of the assassin character type. And he's just like very, very stoic. Very like, very reserved. Um, there's, I, I always think it's funny. There's a big emotional reunion scene in, in the story between a lot of the main cast and everybody's hugging each other and crying, and Junji's just kind of like standing off to the side, like, okay. <laughs> no, Junji, we should mention, is also part of some of the best comedic moments because he's so—he's not like flat acted. He just acts so stoic that he yeah he he, he creates some very hilarious moments and also chimes in in the funniest times. <laughs> He's a master of comedic timing. Mm. He's he devastatingly funny in that way that only really reserved people can be. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And it's just so, it's so much fun. Yes. And then finally, our last party member is uh, Zhao. Zhao! <laughs> uh, Tian Yu. Or Yo, I'm not... They never say his last name, so I'm not sure exactly how it's pronounced. But, yeah, he's... Or is that his first he's, name? He's our other friend who we get. He's... He is... I'm trying to decide the best way to say this. His outfit should make him look stupid, but it doesn't. He is dripped the fuck out. He is... When the kids say drip, this is what they mean. Um... You know that he's, like... He's got some special charisma going on because only he could wear basketball shorts over leggings and make it look not only deliberate, but good. Somehow, someway, it works. But he's he's great. I love him. He's he's kind of the, the leader at the time of the the Liumong. Uh that that changes because shit happens. Yeah. But We'll he's he's voiced by Robbie Damon, which is another thing that's has in common with Persona Five. There's, a, there's several Persona actors in this game, actually. And um, I I think I can say this. I'm allowed to say this. He is he is a gay gay little man. <laughs> it's definitely he's definitely one of those like suspect characters at times. Is he? You know. <laughs> Kasuga kun. <laughs> just, just the way he talks to Ichiban, it's like, okay, he did. Yeah, it's definitely like amb- his, his his sexual preference is definitely ambiguous. Whether or not it is or not is kind of never really touched upon because it never does. No, he's neat though. I, I, I think he's neat. He also, he also likes to cook. He's and he's very good at it. He might. He's one of the two characters we can confirm can cook in this game. Had had he not been involved in a life of crime, he would have become a chef. Probably. And that's actually a class you can make him. <laughs> and he's the only character who can make it work. Everyone, yes. It's a terrible class, and only he's the character with the stats to make it work. But, yeah, those are our party members. We like all of them. They're all neat. They're fun. Like, this is a really fun party. I just, I love their dynamic. They're so funny. Yeah. It's like everyone is, like, just the right amount of, like, willing to make fun of the other. Yeah, the, the way they roast each other and, like... Especially the way everybody gets on Adachi for being an old fart. (laughs) And, like, he keeps, like, mentioning, oh, I feel old. It's like, well, if you're going to keep doing that, I'm going to keep making fun of you for it. It's like, okay, people. Yeah, absolutely. Fun times. (laughs) It's definitely one of those things where, like, the party's fun. Everyone has a great dynamic. Each character is interesting, which is hard to do. It is. Like, it's very easy to make these each character boring. Like, 
we find enough RPGs where sometimes the character just gets absolutely screwed over by the writing. Like, I don't know about you, but like, you know, since we were talking about Persona 5, like, Haru got screwed over by screen time. Or, well, more lack thereof. She did. Like, there was there was not enough there. Whereas everyone here has got plenty of time, plenty to do. They're fun. There's no point where I go like, well, I don't know why this character is our party member. They don't do anything. And I really like all the kind of like the bond events and like the stuff you do to get to know your party members better. It's all really well written and it's thoughtful. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I like the way everything plays. And, so, and you have these in-game discussions like every so often there's like. A pro- the game will prompt you, press this button and hear what the characters have to say about whatever they're looking at. And some of them are legitimately funny. Like, there's a great top, like, event where if it's cold out, like, because I, I think the game takes place mostly in, like, like, the latter half of the year, I believe. I, I just don't know when the uh, Japanese election cycle is. <laughs> Surprisingly, I, I, in, a, in a country I don't live in, I don't know when their elections happen. <laughs> but it, it looks like it's in the latter half of the year for most it, of it. Like Just based off the way people dress, it definitely looks like it's not summertime anyways. Like, maybe mm-hmm. early fall. But yeah, there's, there's like lots of conversations, and I don't know, it, it, it's a little Seinfeldian. The, the way some of them play out, it's just, it's funny, There's and it's... A, the one I was about to talk about was, like, it, Seiko says, like, oh, I should have worn tights. And he, and Adachi decided, it's like, you know what, this is the time to ask him, what's the difference between tights and stockings? And he gets an actual answer, he's like, oh, that that's all it is? I didn't know that, that's neat. <laughs> Which it is. <laughs> it is. It is. It's this great, and it's just like, it goes down to, like, the difference between boxers and boxer briefs. And then Namba's like, what about shorts? <laughs> and it's like, and, and, you know, it's like, the game is willing to be, these characters act like people who actually talk to each other. Yeah. They, uh, these people do, in fact, hang out. They do karaoke with each other. They're they're friends who spend time together. <laughs> yes. And that's what makes the game fun. And they're all they're all very endearing on their own. Like even Junki always surprises me a little bit pleasantly because it's like, you know, he's he's this assassin, he's this, you know, not just career criminal, but like, you know, he's been kind of like forced into this from like childhood with everything. And and he's still like very funny and very like personable in his way. <laughs> yeah, no, like, in spite of everything, Jungi, who could be could have been super boring, is still like funny, willing to like do stuff, and, and he's and he's willing to kind of like open up. He's also willing to play along with jokes. Like, there's a great like statement where like Itachi's like well I'm gaining weight I'm trying to like be better about it and Jungi's like I can help you out 
And it leads down to this whole thing of, like, this really insane plan involving the Gomi Jewel surveillance network. And he's like, yeah, nah, actually, I'll, I'll stick to run. <laughs> and it's just like, if he was a boring, like, normal assassin character, he would never have said any of this. <laughs> yeah. And and that's the great thing about the character writing, is that nobody in the party is above being, like, poked fun at. Mm-hmm. Everyone here is great. Every character yeah, here is I, great. I like all of them. A thoroughly lovable cast. There's not a single character in this that's, like, bad. Also, real quick, mm. uh, since we're talking about friends and allies, I want to talk about Nick Ogata. <laughs> okay, fine. You can talk about Nick Ogata. You might as well talk about Nick your This is your Nick Ogata corner. Get us started. I love Nick Ogata. Nick Ogata is a, he's a businessman, he's an entrepreneur, he, he is a man of financial knowledge who helps out Ichiban. He he helps Ichiban, first of all, by, like, teaching him how to use a smartphone. <laughs> In defense but, of Ichiban, when he went into prison, phones did not look like this. No. It, it's been a long time. Yeah. He, he was in prison from 2000, literally the start of 2001 to the start of 2019. Yeah. A lot changed. But Mr. Ogata kind of gets himself into like some mild hot water because he, he sells these other Yakuza guys like this, this piece of real estate that they were like, because they were trying to get like basically... Like, money money from protection money. And he's mm. like, well, I'll just sell you the club. And and, and it, it they they do a really bad job running it, and they lose money on it, and they're, they're all pissed off at him. But Nick Ogata is, he's this, oh my god, just just Google him, because he's, he's very flamboyantly dressed. And he's wonderful. He wears loafers. He has, he has an ascot. He has, like, this, this natty little mustache. And he, he looks very camp. And he's completely unbothered at like being threatened by by criminals or whatever. And he's he's just a cool guy. He's so cool, <laughs> and I love him. He's he's great. I love him so much. And anyway, <laughs> shockingly important to a lot of things that happen in this story that in, in ways you would not expect. He's he's a valuable ally. He does stuff. He he's basically. A very important, a shockingly important man who's very good at business. He, he's very talented at it. He knows his stuff. Yep, there. But yeah. Anyway, I just I I I had to say it because I really love him, and he's a fun part of the story. He's also a part of uh, the Ichiban confection stuff as being your financial backer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's very fun. So I, I think the best way to put it is every character is fun. Especially Ichiban, who is very likable. Because that was sort of one of the big question marks going into this game, actually. Because we love Kiryu. Yeah, we do. Like, the problem is Kiryu is also very restricting. Because mm -hmm. there's only so many stories you could tell with him that, you've already, that you hadn't already done. <laughs> That's what happens when you're the protagonist of, like... 10 games. Ah. 
But yeah, so everyone's like, we don't know about this Ichiban guy. And then by the end of it, we're like, actually, no, we will. We love and protect Ichiban with our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, fan base was like, no, we love him. <laughs> Everyone was like, no, this is good, actually. He's he's our guy. He's our man. He's not Kiryu, but he's still our man. <laughs> and I got to say... I love Kiryu so much, but I think I actually like Ichiban more. Ooh. I will say this. We're only going off of one game, so there's enough time for Ichiban to be, to see what happens with Ichiban. But as of right now, yes, I'm okay with, with anyone saying that. And also, it helps that, well, Kiryu does show up. (laughs) Oh, he does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we get to see a lot of the uh, old old veterans return in this one. <laughs> More on that in a bit, because in the criticism section, you'll understand what I mean when we get there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this game is fun and enjoyable and interesting. And, like, I think every character is written effectively, because... Well, I don't love every character. It's it's not that I don't love in the way that it's like they were poorly utilized or what have you. It's that some of the characters are lovable and awesome and others are fucking loathsome in the best way. Yeah, and we'll talk about one and of them in a bit. Yeah, but we'll get there. We'll get there. The point is, like, the character writing in this game is really good because not every Yakuza game has, like, the most memorable characters on the planet but this one does like i would argue like when it comes to the extended yakuza stuff you don't see a lot of characters from three Mm-hmm. and you only see some of the ones from four crop up here and there you see a lot more from five yeah you don't see a lot from six but that most of the spinoffs were made before six was released so that's we're gonna cut some slack there <laughs> i'm but, gonna but this one i'm gonna be nice that you know in in the case and also like most of the fun characters from six it would be kind of weird to see him again <laughs> it, this it, one hits a home run though yeah not because they're bad characters it's just that like like the gumo lives in in hiroshima he's not gonna show back up he's not leaving right there. Mm-hmm. It's I actually like the Gumo. I think was one of the more popular characters from Six by the end of it. Yeah, but like it, it, they wouldn't be able to show up, right? Because there's no reason for them to show up. But like the four characters and the ones who are still around, some of them show up, some of them don't. I like I don't think I've seen any of the three characters in anything else. Mm-hmm. Outside of, like, the orphanage kids, but that doesn't count. Yeah, but overall, Seven Seven does a really good job with its character writing. It's solid, it does what it's supposed to, and it's it's very enjoyable. Absolutely. Whereas, uh... I feel like this is a good time to start talking about, uh some of the problems with this game a little bit. Let's do a little compliment sandwich, shall we? Yeah. 
And let's start with one of our one of the problems of the gameplay specifically, and that is, uh, you you just don't really play around with the character classes. I know we've talked about Either. that already, but we really should like drive home the fact that you really do not use them. There's just not a lot of incentive to. Well, like the first problem is it takes a while to get anything out of it. Mm-hmm. Like you spend a long time working to. I, I think the best way to put it is that the issue with them is that when you get there, you. Like, like a great example of this is Ichiban gets two major character classes. He gets Freelancer and then Hero. And you're never going to take him out of Hero. No. After a certain... Or at least you shouldn't. Or like a great example of this is Junji Han. He's going to be Hitman and you're never going to change him from Hitman. Because Hitman is, is good. It's good. And Hitman's effective. It's complementary of his abilities. And it also, more importantly, it, it's the only class that lets you use gun. <laughs> and there's there's no reason to change it. <laughs> there really is zero reason to change it. There's also, like, a lot of the other classes are kind of lackluster. Which is another problem. Yeah. Like, they're not bad but they're lackluster. They're not very good. A, a great example of this is, uh, like, Bodyguard. It, like, the only useful thing about Bodyguard is it gives you a sword. It's just... It's not great. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's sort of... Like, a great example of this, like, the only character who desperately needs to get out of their starting job class is Seiko, and that's about it. Yeah. Like, you could put a Dachi into, like, what whatever the uh, more extreme version of his char main character class is called. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what it's called. Not really important. And that's just kind it's, of it's it, that's just kind of the problem with the game is that like these job classes and like it takes so long to get anyone to level to like rank thirty. Ooh, excuse me. <laughs> like, it's like there's there's not really a point. Yeah, there's it's there's no point in changing it because it takes so long to get anyone anything out of it. And there's ninety nine ranks unless you're doing the post game like super hard stuff. There's no point. Like, none. There, yeah. there's, there's no point in, like, grinding beyond, like, 30. Other than the stat boosts. And even then, it's not really worth it. <laughs> and that's only if you're going for, like, the bonus stuff after the game is over, which you don't even need to do. Mm -hmm. that, it's bragging right rewards, and that's the problem. Unlike, say, the other problem with the gameplay is there's this one point where there's a massive level spike towards the end of the game. So most of the game... This is actually interesting that this is kind of a low-level RPG. I think that's fair to say. Yes. 
Because if you're like, if you play most RPGs, you usually end up at like whatever the max level is or near it. And this is a game mm. where the game finishes around in the 60s. Yeah. Which by comparison to say, like, for like a Persona 4 and 5, you're probably going to finish the game near 90. Which is near the level cap. Unless you grind a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you're playing the game. So unlike, like, say, Persona or, like, Final Fantasy or even Dragon Quest, where you're going to finish towards the level cap, you're not. And, what? yeah, and a, and a lot of this kind of, like, springs itself on you without a lot of warning. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, like, the thing is, least... when you uh, return to Sotenbori again, because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we, we can never truly get away, <laughs> we'll always return to Osaka, what happens yeah. is, is that... You're, you've been probably... Most of the fights have been in the 30s in terms of numbers. And this is the first time you've been in the... Uh, and you start running into enemies in the 40s, which is fine. You, you One of the good things about this game is damage output is pretty high, even at lower levels. So you're not, like, pressed to do damage. Mm-hmm. And then you get into one boss encounter where the bosses are suddenly level 50 and absolutely will wipe the floor with you. And the only hit you're supposed to get this is a uh, point where it's like, here's the battle arena. You can grind here. And it's it's not really much of a much of a warning. <laughs> it's not a warning. Because... I remember both of us have basically said the same thing. We both just went into the Omi Alliance HQ, not realizing what was in store, and then learning, oh, we we should have done the thing. Yeah, and we, we got our asses beat. Because uh, you get into a boss fight with... Okay, this is great, because every single fan of the series knew exactly who we were fighting the moment his shoe showed up. Mm-hmm. It's Majima, because no one else wears those those shoes. It's so funny. Like, I was, uh, I was re-watching, like, a, a different streamer's highlights, and she freaks out, because the moment she sees the shoe, she starts screeching, like, It's Majima! <laughs> because you and me both know, and every other Yakuza fan, that those specific wingtips belong to Goro Majima. Yeah. You, no you would recognize those shoes anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and that fight sucks. Like, I hate... I'm not, not, I'm not trying to sound like a negative Nancy. But this is one of, like, the three boss fights in the game that really aren't that fun to, to go through. Th- that fight is bullshit. <laughs> the reason why that fight sucks is, number one... The game, like, you're probably going to get to Sotenbori at level 36-ish around it. And the game needs you to be, like, level 48 to 50 to do this boss fight. And even then, you have to kind of hope that, like, things go your way a little bit. There's this problem. The game doesn't really do a good job of letting you see 
what works and what doesn't at times. Like, there's no way to analyze your enemies out uh, in combat. Mm -hmm. Which would be nice. Uh, infinite wealth hopes. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Please. Please. Because it's... And I want to make this clear. We're, we're not hating on the game, by the way. It's just that this boss fight is very noticeable spike in difficulty that the game doesn't ever do before or since. Only time this happens. Yeah. The other problem with this boss fight is that it's it can also be kind of long. This also extends to problems with a boss fight not shortly thereafter, but that one that one you can cheat a little bit. Because uh, Kiryu is in this game, so you think you're not gonna you're gonna avoid fighting him? Nay, you must fight no. Kiryu Kasava. You you've gotta fight him. And it's it's a hard boss fight. I I would say this one's better than the Majima one, because mm -hmm. unlike Majima, where Seijima eventually shows up and decides, "Hey, everybody, wouldn't it be funny if we fought both of them?" And the answer is no. It hurts. Please stop. We're I can't going to ruin your day even more. <laughs> I'm not allowed to dodge you anymore, so please stop. And he said, "No," and mm -hmm. they pushed me into a wall. And then he literally picked up Majima and threw him at you. <laughs> Which is hilarious. We love it. It's very funny. It, it, we love it, but it's also like, ow. The, their team attack is very funny, but it's also not very funny when it hits you. Yes, it, it's, it's funny in the sense that it's cool. But basically the point is, after that, the Kiryu boss fight, you can cheat because Kiryu keeps up his I won't punch women bit. <laughs> And that extends <laughs> to your party members. So basically, you could just bring both... Like, as long as you keep Ichiban alive, because this is one of those games where if the main character goes down, you're fucked. Annoying, yeah. but doable. I would say it's easier than the Majima fight, but not... But as long as you know what you're doing, it's a lot easier. Because mm -hmm. I remember the first time I did that boss fight when I first played the game, it was the worst. <laughs> I was like, he's resistant to everything. He takes he takes so long to hurt. He clones himself. No, that's Majima. Uh, no, that's what I mean, Majima. I'm talking about Kiryu. Oh. Kiryu, if you know what to do in the Kiryu boss fight, it's stupidly easy. It takes a bit, because he just has a lot of health. Yeah. Unlike the final boss fight, which I'll get to... Oh, it was. I got so mad about that. Uh, it was very frustrating. Uh, the final boss is a one-hit kill move, and unless you perfect guard and the timing's a bit wonky. And my problem was he aimed for me in that boss fight right at me first thing at Ichiban and killed him. And I'm like, God damn it. Also because Tendo's a fucking sponge. Oh, yeah. He has health for days. Tendo's a brick shit house. I, I guess I think this leads into now talking about good things again. Let's talk about the villains, specifically the new members of the Omi Alliance who we're now meeting, and specifically uh, Ishioda and Tendo, who are the two, like, leading candidates for top dog after Arakawa for most of this story. So... In order of introduction, Mr. Reiji Ishioda. 
Mr. Nice Hair himself. He's... He cracks me up. I just... just, I I give this guy a little shit for basically being like Nishitani 2.0. He has a great boss fight. He fights you in, like... He's he's operating a wrecking ball. <laughs> yeah, our first introduction to him is trying to kill us with a wrecking ball, which is which is a great way to introduce your character. By the way, it's very fun. Um, he's he's a hoot. His his English dub voice also cracks me up because he's like fucking Tendo, this fucking guy. Hey, I'm walking here. So it's, 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 <laughs> they made a decision for the Kansai dialect, so. One of the problems with translating Japanese into English is that certain things have certain ways of being translated. Mm-hmm. And the Kansai dialect is either translated as a country, as sort of a southern accent, or the uh... oh, what's it called? Or, like, a Brooklyn accent. And they decided to go with Brooklyn. And there's... By the way, there's a huge... Like, argument in, like, translation circles of which one's the better way to do it. Yeah. And we're not gonna give out our, like... Thoughts on it. I have no opinion on it because I am not a Japanese speaker. Mm. I... I I don't have enough like knowledge of like regional stuff to say one way or the other. I just think Ishioda's dub voice is a hoot. <laughs> no, I I like I like it because he has a classic like New York gangster going on. It's like you, you what's you doing, wise guys? <laughs> yeah, no, fucking wise guys. And, and you know it. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> I, I understand why they went this way because it's like there's two ways to do it. And both, there's no wrong way to do it as far as I know. We're not experts mm-hmm. on this subject, so we're not going to comment on it. I, I have no opinion because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but also, like, both are fine by me. Because if you see how it's written out, you can see why both work. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. Yes and no. But... Ishioda is he's kind of the, he's kind of the wild card. He's very like he's he's violent, he's reckless. Uh Remember, he tried to kill he, you with a wrecking ball. Yeah, and, and he's he's kind of a maniac. He's the And he's he's definitely the one who would shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah, he's like he's he's hot-blooded, he's temperamental, and he's kind of a scary guy. Mm-hmm. And then we have Tendo. Tendo is a former heavyweight boxer built like a brick. He's the scary one. He's the one you should be afraid of. Like, t- like Ishioda's scary because he's like big and strong. He's he's a wild and crazy guy. <laughs> yeah, and he's like he's the one who's gonna cause problems on purpose. It, Tendo, Tendo causes problems with purpose, which makes mm-hmm. him much more terrifying. And he's pragmatic. He's the sm- he's the smart one. I think is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Like he's scheming. He's smart, but he also is willing to switch sides whenever he it, wants. There, there's there's a bit where after like kind of the 
the, the the local alliances meet up to like discuss the future of the yakuza and um through, through a tactical move daigo dissolves the tojo and they dissolve the omi alliance and and there's there's a big fight and you're kind of like squaring up and tendo's like well i'm gonna go with the side that's gonna have more action <laughs> and so and... he sides with the protagonists yeah He's, not because he particularly is with them or against them, but because it's like, well, this is funny. And, and it's the thing of, like, he doesn't really, like, he's not led by morals. He's led by what's going to be more interesting in the moment and what's going to benefit him. Which is why he's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And also, he ha he looks cool. He looks very cool. And he's big. <laughs> They they did a good job making him like very imposing without being just like, you know, oh muscle, big, scary, wild man. He's like, you know, he's very, very polished, very sophisticated looking, and still just like, if you punch that guy, you would break your hand. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and also in turn, the other major major problem weakness and the other major villain here is the exact opposite of the two guys we just talked about his name is kume we need we need to talk about kume the most loathable Fucking kume okay we need to mention this this is the most loathable man in the entire game i you know people talk a lot about somebody who has a punchable face Kume's the definition of that kume is if ben shapiro had a japanese cousin and was somehow and, more punchable. Yeah, it's somehow like, yeah, just as loathsome. <laughs> Kume is the ostensibly kind of like the leader, the the voice of Bleach Japan. He's he's whiny, he's like uh, he's whiny, he's hypocritical. He's, he's self-righteous. He clearly only is in it was at least initially in it to look cool mhm mm and he's just one of he's smug i just know his google search history is wild <laughs> <laughs> the point is we should probably talk about what bleach japan is now real yes quick. let's let's discuss bleach japan <laughs> yeah bleach japan is a activist group created by Ryo Aoki and uh Hajime Ogasawara as an activist group to get rid of the gray zones in society. To make a more gray zones world. Yeah, the, they're, they're essentially like a, a movement endorsing gentrification. And the, the, they're trying to take out gray zones with things like prostitution and organized crime and that sort of thing. And you know they're 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 anti-sex work. They're they're trying to like clean out the yakuza and you know clean the dirt off the streets and bleach Japan pure, which carries all the connotations that you would imagine. <sighs> and he's a dirty little coward who absolutely goes around just being like actually it's actually stated by Osagawara himself that. Part of the way they got Bleach Japan's numbers up is that they, you know, tried to look cool to women. 
<laughs> and Kume is no different. Yeah, and it's this, like, ostensibly, you know, progressive movement that's, like, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, better the future of, of the many. And, and it's really, you know, they, they suck. They suck. Nobody likes Bleach Japan. You're, you're supposed to hate them. That's the point. You, you basically go through the, we'll talk more about why in a bit, but the point is Bleach Japan is this activist group. They're annoying. You're not supposed to like them. And Kume is the most unlikable member of them all. Mm-hmm. And also not help that Bleach Japan is definitely supported by actual literal organized crime. <laughs> yes. Something that will I actually come to bite said organized criminals in the ass later on, but we'll we'll get into that. Yeah. And basically, Kume is the most unlikable, somehow is the most unlikable person in this game, and this includes someone who murders your father figure. Mm-hmm. Um... Ryu Aoki himself, literally an assassin, <laughs> named Mirror Face, the actual weirdest part of this game. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, I forgot about Mirror Face. It's okay, I always forget about Mirror Face because he's not that important except for, like, two moments, but boy, is it weird. It is one of the funniest, like, which one do I shoot? Which one he knows the law code? The one who doesn't? Okay, that one's a dachi, shoot that one. <laughs> That's the Adachi we know and love. <laughs> like hell would he actually know? You have no idea. It's like you don't know. You're sucking your job. <laughs> but yeah, basically, Kume is incredibly unlikable. He's a twerp. <laughs> He's a twerp. He sucks. He's got a stupid haircut. He does. Absolutely, oh my God. like, antagonizes people who don't deserve it. Mocks the dead. He slut shames poor Seiko, and she oh. just slaps... I believe the only reason why she doesn't slap the shit out of him is because Ichiban punches him instead. Like, no, yes. no, no. He doesn't deserve a slap. Let me punch him. <laughs> <Bam>. <laughs> oh, and it's great. It's a beautiful scene. But let's get into Aoki. Yeah, so we need to, like, I think that was a good time to start getting into Aoki and sort of the real themes of this game. I know, sorry, it took a while. Wait, there's a lot to talk about in this game, despite it not yeah. being that long. Aoki is obviously the fake version of Masato Arakawa. And uh, he's a bastard. Not literal, he... uh, metaphorical. Actually, I, I that's not true. No, he actually is no, a real he's bastard. Literally, what? Metaphorical. I mean, he would he would have been a he would have been a literal bastard either way. Yeah. But mm -hmm, because uh, can, can I can I delve into some spoilers now, yeah, Strauss? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we technically already did, but now it's time to delve in even deeper. We we had a baby switcheroo because. Uh, Coin locker babies. M Masato Arakawa is not an Arakawa. He is actually the su the biological son of Joe Sawashiro. Just so happened that Ichiban. Now it's implied. They never confirm it, but it's implied that Ichiban is actually Arakawa's son. It's 
Yeah, it's it's very heavily implied that Arakawa is Ichiban's real biological father. <laughs> now, it should be noted that when we say implied, it's like all but, like, it's really more of all but confirmed is probably more they're, they're talking DNA tests. Yeah, they're, and... they're talking, like, you can confirm this with a DNA test, and the only reason why it doesn't happen is because Ichiban's like, that doesn't matter. No, it's like, and the, the way he phrases like, I have two dads. I have the the one at the, the soapland I was born at that raised me, and I have Arakawa. <laughs> Which is very sweet and kind of, like, emotionally poignant, but it's also like... Yeah. You know. But, because there's, there's a switcheroo, because it's like, you know, Ichiban and Masato's parents both kind of like running running from different things it's like because because sawashiro and his girlfriend didn't didn't want to be parents and it was too late to you know to have an abortion so they they're like we're going to leave the baby in one of the coin lockers at this station and they have second thoughts and it's like you know the the, the girlfriend's like no i'm going back to get him and just as they get there they see arakawa like Desperately punching this locker where he hears a crying baby because he thinks he's rescuing his son. It should be noted that Arakawa in this sequence is voiced by Johnny Young Bosch. He does a great job mm -hmm. for the five minutes he gets here. He really does. He is going hard. Oh, it's good. That, that scene's still like, it's fucking gut-wrenching because Arakawa's like frantically punching this locker in and his hands are bleeding and he's screaming and and it's it's really hard to watch <laughs> it's, it's hard to watch but damn and it, it, basically the only reason why masato is still alive is because of arakawa saving him this way mm -hmm. because he'd he'd contracted hypothermia from being left in a locker on a cold night <laughs> On a, because it's January. <laughs> and and he's a baby. He's a newborn baby. Unlike Ichiban, who was also put in a cold in a locker, but you actually could... And, and they actually do show this. He is much more bundled up. <laughs> yes. And also, he's just Ichiban, and he's robust. <laughs> yeah, he's much more... Well, yeah, he's, he's Arakawa's son. Have you seen that yes. man? <laughs> that man took a knife to the face from his mom. It's tough son of Couldn't a knock him over with a pail of water. Damn straight. But yeah, so um, there's there's all that that yeah, Masato is actually Joe Sawashiro's son. Uh, that he never finds out. He he, never, he he sadly never finds out. Ichiban does from Joe himself because Joe basically tells him this whole story. Yeah, and and that's the reason that Joe started serving Arakawa is so he could keep an eye on his son from a distance because he he sees that Masato is is disabled probably because of his actions and he feels immense guilt which is fair and you know yeah fair enough he he did a shitty thing and now he's kind of paying the price and trying to make up for it in his way <laughs> yeah and like joe's not a good person but he's he's an interesting character for this game too Joe is fascinating. Like, when I say that Joe sucks, it's mostly just that he's mean to Ichiban. Yeah, and he's very mean to Ichiban. <laughs> he's he's horrible to Ichiban. He's a very mean, bastardly man. 
with it with a very nice suit. God, he looks so good in his suit. <laughs> but Joe is interesting. He's complicated. I I like his character. Yeah. And also, in fairness to Joe being mean to Ichiban, Ichiban's really bad at being a Yakuza. <laughs> and when yeah. your job is to take care of the books and this guy is making it harder on yourself, I would be pissed off too eventually. <laughs> and that's not exactly the kind of job you can be soft on the new guy with. Yeah. But Joe, Joe is a very efficient, effective, terrifying man, but also super interesting. He is. He is, he is an interesting guy. But back to Aoki. Yeah. Um, Take it he's away. also a fascinating character. And, and I will say it again. I think one of the most, like loathsome yakuza antagonists in that he's he's very real <laughs> yeah like what makes aoki very similar to hilariously to uh oh god what's his full name well was shido in the last game it's like masa shiro shido he has yeah masayoshi shido yeah <laughs> is that their plan is basically nearly identical but like whereas shido is just like constantly an asshole to make you wonder, like, why would anyone ever want to interact with this guy? Yeah, he's he's rude to everybody. He's, he's just just shitty. He's just shitty. I, Aoki, you get it. You can you can understand why people would like him. He's he's a relatively he's young for a politician who's amassed as much clout as he has. He's a forty-something-year-old, like, generally forty-two. Good, yeah, he's a forty-two. He's a 42-year-old man. He's generally good-looking. Yeah, clean-cut, good-looking. Seems... uh, And when he's, like, talking to the public, he seems very affable. (laughs) Affable, at least to the public. And, and like, you know, kind of willing to poke a little fun at himself and seems kind of like, you know, aw shucks, like, humble and has, like, strong convictions. And you think it's, like... Okay, I could see how people would think this is a good guy. Yeah, and it's... And, you know, he's champion, getting rid of the Yakuza, cleaning up the streets, cleaning up Tokyo. Like, all these things that the, the people like. Mm-hmm. But deep down, he's a bastard. That's great. And... And it's just like he's he's such a piece of shit in such real ways. Yeah. It's not like he's he's not trying to blow up the Tokyo underground. He's not like kidnapping orphans and selling selling their organs on the black market. He's just he's a selfish piece of shit with political power. <laughs> yeah. And he re- and, and he refuses to back down. And the other interesting thing, like, I'm always really pleased with kind of the the way his story ends with, like, his final confrontation. Because Ichiban outs him. Ichiban reveals that it's like, because Ichiban starts, like, running as a political opponent to Kume. And then eventually he's like, you know, it puts him in the same circles as Aoki. And he manages to put out there that, like... Aoki tried to kill Ichiban and his friends. <laughs> Basically, Aoki slash Masato Arakawa has been absolutely using his bullshit to 
you know, and his connections to out to get rid of people via murder. And Ichiban uses that to his advantage and basically out uses it to out outst him because he's too thorough. He can't he, he can't refuse to be like he knows that Ichiban is probably bluffing, but in the like point one percent chance that he's not <laughs> He can't take any chances. Not a single chance can be taken, and that's what ultimately causes his downfall, because whoops, Ichiban won. Yeah. And and the other the other thing about Aoki is that pardon the expression, his his other greatest flaw is that he shits where he eats. He he doesn't really build goodwill with any of the people supporting him. Like he he makes really grievous enemies of a lot of the Yakuza because he's not not ashamed of his past, but he's he's cynical about it and he's disillusioned because he couldn't hack it in that life. Yeah, and it, it basically the the best way to put it is that Aoki is someone who's incredibly hurt and trying and trying to just take power for himself because he's yeah. angry. And Again, credit credit to the voice actor here who it, it, Japanese and English were yeah. were fantastically done. But finally like they Aoki runs away uh, and that's a uh, Kosuke Toriyumi for Japanese and Will Young Lee for English by the way. Awesome, thank you. Yeah. But they Ichiban and Masato have their final confrontation in front of the lockers where they were abandoned as babies. And Masato's like he's he's got a gun on him and he's like he is he's got the gun to his head and he is like you know I'm it's it's fucking over I'm done I'm done and he gives this like for he, and he's he never stops being loathsome he's he's an awful awful person but the speech he gives is still like so powerful that it's like I I hated myself for being born in a weak ugly body and you know and i've i've tried so hard to like change myself and it's it's this kind of like disillusionment at hating the way he was born and trying to change it and still feeling like separated from it and it's like i think alki's a really good example of how you can have a villain who's nasty and reprehensible but has really interesting and human motives while, also, while never, like, making what he did okay. <laughs> and also while still being deeply sympathetic. Oh, yeah, because like, he's he's immensely sympathetic. <laughs> like, you get it. You get yeah. how he ended up here. You get why he ended up here and why the world basically... for Much like how it forced guys like Ichiban to be criminals. In this case, Yakuza. Mm -hmm. You get why he ended up this way. Yeah, you can totally see how it happened. Yeah, th there's no point where you're like, oh, it's not like, but why, though? No, you never ask why. It it does a superb job of that. And I'm, I'm always really impressed with how he's done. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what makes it, it, what also makes this work is number one, the acting from everyone across the board is great. The how everyone looks is great. It's it's just well done. 
It is. And, oh my fucking god, like, Ichiban in this scene. <laughs> Just... Both you know, uh, Kaiji Taong, who is the English, and... Uh, uh, Kazuru Hiro Nakaya deserve a lot of credit. And, like... A character like Ichiban, especially in this particular sort of confrontation, is, I think, hard to get right because he has so much hope and good faith in people. And he's he's telling Masato, it's like, you can you can start over. You can you can change. And you can believe it hearing him talk to him and it doesn't just sound like a, a cheesy shonen hero thing it's like you fully believe it or at least i can <laughs> i think the best way to really put it and what makes it really different and the and the reason why it works is because it's not simply cheesy it is like heart-wrenching and like desperate and and there is like there is pain in his voice and there is like this, there's pain and love and like and Ichiban has been through an, an unbelievable amount of shit and he still believes in this person yeah and it, it just works is the best way to put it so I feel like this is a good time to finally talk about theme. Yes. So we need to talk about gray zones. Mm -hmm. Finally get to talk about gray zones. Sardo, what's an example of a gray zone in this game? There's a couple. Oh, so I'll let you take one. A good example of gray zone is, well, golly, uh, how about how about the Soapland where Ichiban was born? So basically, Soaplands. I, I don't really know exactly what a Soapland is per se. It's it is kind of it's it is a people I know what who it, work it, at Soaplands. It's, well, it's, let me put it this way: I know what it actually is and how it's actually used, but like I don't know what it's supposed to actually do. It's it's I don't know. It's like a bathhouse. It's. I guess to put it simply, but it's like I guess you get bathed by pretty girls. I, I, I guess yeah, it... yeah. You you get you get pretty girls to to bathe you and and other things. But yeah, <gasps> but basically the Southlands are usually just brothels. Yeah, they're just they're just legal brothels. But like the the brothel part is hush hush, wink wink, nudge nudge. Mm hmm. Or an even probably better example is that we work with a woman named Hamako, who's cool. She's neat. We love we love Hamako. She she's a she's a actually she's the she's... best example of this. We should probably have just gone with her. I'm surprised. Yeah. Didn't. So Hamako runs what is described as bars and restaurants. Quote 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 quote. But really, they're all just brothels. Everyone knows that they're brothels, but she's not running them to make money she's running them because the women that works for her are women who are the daughters of illegal immigrants or illegal immigrants themselves and basically 
they only have two options either work for her or work for the various criminal elements across town yes and she's like better me than someone who's gonna actively exploit them she's looking out for them she's and basically the moment like the game gives them like a supposed better deal she tells them to take it Mm -hmm. because like her whole thing is she's a bit mean but it's like no it's very obvious that she cares she's she's a good lady yeah like the moment like and the thing is like what's a gray zone about it is that it's very obvious that this is a brothel but in terms of what is legally being served, the f- the food is uh, uh, insert vagina euphemism here, please. Take your pick. Uh, a clam, I guess. A you're, of, you're, it's a clam. People restaurant. are gonna be eating something. <laughs> it's gonna be some sausage and clams. There we go. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> but yeah, but but basically the point is what what I think is great. What makes homo Amiko, a great example of what the game is talking about, how gray zones might hold, hold like iffy elements and criminals, but it's also like there's a lot of people here who aren't bad people. They just slip through the cracks. Yeah. Is that like, it's, yeah. Hamako's like, these girls have two options work for me or work for the, work for the various people who will absolutely be worse to them. I'm, I'm much rather it be me. Yeah, or or work for an abusive pimp. <laughs> yeah, and that's basically what happens. And as we learn via the game itself, your options are ultimate. Like, when Bleach Japan offers, like, a deal that looks too good to be true, but if it was true, it would actually be a really good deal. So, hey. Yeah. Uh, politicians just saying Mm -hmm. but it's it's this thing of you know we're we're offering you know the the girls who who work for Hamako like you know things like you know getting getting their visas and like getting getting better education and like housing and everything and all that sounds wonderful but no they're actually rounding them up and deporting them which is like because like what Hamako thought was what it said on papers like hey we're gonna like give you a path to citizenship. We're going to like put you in a place where you're supported. She was going to be the dorm mother. She was totally fine with that because it's like, this is even better than what I could have done because they got money and I don't. Yeah. But sadly, no, 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 no. It's, it's, and, and that bit is like gut wrenching too, because Hamako's like, so fucking heartbroken and like guilty <laughs> and when she, when she finds out what's going on and the thing that she's guilty of is being duped yeah because you could tell from the start of when you met her to this point on she only has these women's best interests in mind she she cares about all of them <gasps> and that's why it hurts her so much and that's why it's so sad <laughs> why it's sad it's also why uh bleach japan is full of shit yeah but it's it's this thing of like you know if if you go into things like gray zones talking about like you know well some of these people are are, you know criminals and they do awful things it's like 
Well, a lot of these people aren't. <laughs> and they don't deserve to be punished just because a few of them are, like, shitty or harmful. It's like, okay, I understand that, like, the ox is there, but what about this homeless dude who just wants a sandwich? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, what about the people who are driven by things like poverty or caring for, for a sick relative or, you know, any number of things that might lead you in your life to, you know, and, and, and there's also the thing, too, of, like, a lot of things like homelessness are inherently criminalized. Or, like, how a lot of these immigrants are here for a better life, but because they didn't come here the exact right way you want them to, they don't count. And they're forced into gray zones, yeah. which you want to clean up. <laughs> but instead of trying to, like, fix the underlying problem that created this gray zone, instead you're just trying to nuke it from orbit. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, you're trying to take an orbital laser and go... With and I, no sense of whether or not it's good or not. And I think the party is like a very interesting sampling of different people that are kind of like marginalized within Japanese society. You've got Nanba, who's homeless. You've got Ichiban, who is who is a literal fucking Yakuza. <laughs> and also like a former convict, too. Yeah, former convict. You have Seiko, who is a woman who who is a woman of, you know, generally solid education, but yeah, not high but means. She's she's a single working woman. Yeah, she's a single working woman in a country that doesn't really like that a whole lot. Does, doesn't doesn't respect that. You have Adachi, who's like this older guy towards the end of like his viable employment years with no savings. <laughs> Due to the fact that he's been actually spending it on helping the kid of the guy who got falsely put into prison and mm -hmm. died. So, you know, he's, he's been, he's, his money's been going to good things, just... Oof. <laughs> or, like, Junji Han, a guy who was born basically into a criminal element and had no other options. Same thing with, with and Zhao. And he's... And Junji also, um, you know, born born to Korean parents in Japan, so having a disconnect both with people from his own culture and people from his birthplace, both yeah. who distrust him. <laughs> Same case with Zhao, though less distrust is more of he was born into a position he wasn't he himself admit wasn't really meant for. Yeah, and it's the sort of and, and and then there's Eri, who uh, it's, it's kind of the odd one out here. <laughs> Yeah, I Aerie's still like she's you know, she's she's a woman in the business world. And Aerie's once again, she's she's a little more normal than the rest of the cast in terms of like she's a little more stable, has a little more support. Yeah, but it's basically the, the whole game is basically going like, yeah, gray zones have yakuza in it and bad people, quote unquote. But there's a lot of people who are there for reason for unfair reasons by society. Mm -hmm. And shouldn't we be trying to handle those issues in society that push people into the gray zones instead of trying to wipe out the gray zones entirely? <laughs> and that's kind of the and this is why 
Yakuza 7, Like a Dragon, is better than Persona 5. Because one of the things we said in that Persona 5 episode, because I know most of you didn't listen to it because it's three hours long. I, I don't fault you. It's okay. No, no, we understand. I'm just like, God, we really made that thing three hours long. Yep. Is that one of our biggest criticisms of its writing was that its story goes isn't that corrupt and then it has no real standing ethos beyond like bad people are bad and shouldn't be yeah. in politics which i mean yeah sure true but the thesis is that there's corruption in society and that's you bad. know that's and that's bad and that's about it yeah and that's and, and also like the the protagonists of persona 5 are also teenagers so i can understand how there's maybe Less of a, and here's what we should do about it, than Yakuza 7. Yeah, like, Yakuza 7, because its main characters are, like, adults. And not just adults, but, like, old, mostly older men. They're adults. Yeah. They're all adults, but, like, specifically, like, older individuals. <laughs> and I do, and I, and I think you would be the first one who agrees with me when I say there is a very big difference Oh, massively so. It's it's people that are particularly kind of reaching the end of their usefulness within society as as far as things like capitalism, see? Mm -hmm. Basically, the point we're trying to make is like this, this because one of the things about Yakuza games is sometimes they get a... A little kid's glove mm -hmm. with the topic at hand. This one doesn't. Yeah. No. This this one, I think, it it approaches stuff pretty head on. Mm -hmm. And it's like there's characters like Kume that tend to be like a little bit cartoonish in terms of like, this guy's clearly a villain. You're clearly supposed to hate him. <laughs> but the the way it tackles things overall... I feel is is effective and yeah. it's it's straight into the point. I agree. But I I really enjoyed like I think overall the theme is handled well. It's it's a very satisfying story to go through. <laughs> yeah, I think really what makes this game really work is that the characters are fun, the story is you know, one of the problems with some of the Yakuza stuff is that is sometimes the story gets a bit too much in trying to, like, do a twist or turn mm -hmm. and be dramatic. And sometimes that, like, hurts the story. Like, even in Yakuza 0, which is the other, one of the other, like, two really well-written Yakuza games, they're, like, it can sometimes get hard to follow not this one. Mm -hmm. Not this one. I know exactly what's happening, why it's happening, who's where, what, and why. And Ono Michio is back. Yeah, and Ono Michio's back. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but and we actually get, we get to see Ichiban put on the costume. It's so good. Oh, uh, it's great. It, honestly, I would say of the RPGs I played, in 2020 it is maybe the best one yeah 
And the only reason why it's not higher is is that like Persona Five Royal was still really fun to play. It it it, it, it but I would say in terms of writing, it is better. Yeah. Not necessarily like all writing, because like I would say character writing is generally pretty good in Persona Five, just haphazard in places. Because you know it's like, well, it also gives you Mar- Doctor Maruki, who you love. I do love Doctor Maruki, but like Persona Five, I think paints with broader strokes. And again, I I attribute a lot of that to the the age of the characters. And kind of the general vibe it's going for. I also true to the fact that Hoshino's not as good good at writing like modern politics. He never has been. No. Like you've seen Persona 4. You know what I mean when I say this. <laughs> I do. I do. And I'll be real, I don't expect a lot of cutting societal commentary from a Persona game. Nothing nothing against Persona. It's just not what I expect going in. Yeah, it's it's that's why like it, Persona also was is this better talking about like very broad sort of emotional aspects. Yeah, like like Persona Three being about death, about like sort of the transitory nature of death. Mm-hmm. It, if if you know what the death arcana stands for in in the in the grand arcana, you know that death isn't literally always literal death. It's also just change. Yes, and that's sort of what that game's about, and sort of how like life you can't go through life without people dying and that you know slash things changing and how that's you know something which is why you should live your life to the fullest and have and enjoy what you have because you don't know when things will change so enjoy your life while you have it now so that tomorrow if things change you can still enjoy it make the most of it everybody's dying bitch let's get you some fruit yeah or how in, like, Persona 4, like, your personal truth matters more to you and the world than, like, trying to be something you're not. Mm-hmm. It, it's a bit messy about that in Persona 4, but that's the general gist of it. <laughs> Persona 5 tried to get political, and it didn't really work out as well as people like to think, it, people say it is, if I'm being supremely honest. It's, just, it's, it's a little bit messy. <laughs> it's a little bit messy, but that's okay. Being messy is fine. But damn, this Persona 7... Not Persona 7. Persona 7. God, we're missing a whole ass Persona game in those in-betweens. Yeah. We just skipped the 6 one. 6 never happened. It's like... Uh, six, 6 is the devil's number. We don't believe in it. <laughs> but yeah, that's why Yakuza 7 like, really hits home and in a way that's very good and feels legit. Pretty much so. Also, it has Ichiban in it. And, and we love Ichiban. He's just... I I think it's very hard to actually overstate how how lovable this guy is. I think what really helps with Ichiban's writing, and all the characters in the grand scheme of things, is that there's this... Uh, it, it's genuine. It's genuine. It there's is. no irony. There's no, like... Like, everyone, like, everyone's a little teasing, but, like, in the end, everyone's like, Ichiban's a good guy. Yeah, it's like, you know, we we don't quite see the, the world the same way he does. No, but... I don't think anyone does. <laughs> and, and you never really feel like it's making fun of Ichiban, because it, it's just like, yeah, this is cool, and 
he goes through a lot, but he's also a cool guy. Yeah. I, and, I, think, I think the ultimate end statement we really want to make, because we could probably go for another two hours if we wanted to. Mm-hmm. We're not going to, because Jesus Christ. Yeah. Is that ultimately... This is a game that I think you should play. I agree. And, and also um, praise Seiko and Songhui. Best girls. Uh, best girls. <laughs> Finally, and someone I, joins I, Haruka in the best girl line. Because Kaoru hasn't I guess, been seen in years. To, to close things up, kind of especially with themes, Ichiban says kind of something along the lines at the end that, you know, even, you know... Even if you're at the bottom, you you can start over and you can go from there. And it, it's it sounds cheesy out of context, but like within within the story in the game, it works so well. And I always feel a little more hopeful after I've played Yakuza Seven. <laughs> and God. It, it, this, I'm I'm it's gonna so get good. really hokey here for a second. Oh, go get and hokey. and really really fucking you know, nerdy. It... Can I say that Ichiban Kasuga actually inspires me to be a better person? Can I say that? Yeah. He does. I I see Ichiban and it's like, you know, God, I, I want to be that kind of person in someone's life. I, I want to have that kind of genuine positivity and earnest care for people. I I I I want to be more like Ichiban. <laughs> Except for and, the and part that's... where you mentioned everything is Dragon Quest. Maybe maybe something else. <laughs> oh, I already do that. Um <laughs> I've already got that down. But I I just I don't know. He's one of those fictional characters that I genuinely admire the traits that he has. Is is that silly to say? <laughs> no. I think it's an example of, like, being someone like Ichiban is a good thing, so. I just, I ask myself, what would Ichiban Kasuga do? And maybe that's not applicable to everything. No, but... definitely not. I don't think I want to know what he wants to do when, when you have a flat tire. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. I just... Ichiban means a lot to me. He's he's a really a really good character. He's really well done, and we need more Ichibans in the world. Damn straight. Um, I think this is a good time to wrap up our little soiree into Yakuza Seven. We want to talk yeah, more. We've about been this. going for a bit. Yeah, we've been going for a bit. And honestly, uh, have you been watching anything interesting? Because I haven't. Oh, not really. No, there I have go. been playing lots. I've been playing lots of Baldur's Gate. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Point is, everyone, thank you all for uh, listening uh, to this, uh, you know, little discussion of a game we really like. Um, so you can follow Sardo here at, at Autopsy Garlands on Twitter. Mark Eagle for the art account. Uncle Death on Blue Sky. Uncle Death on Twitch, spelled with a K, both cases. Yes. Uh, you'll be streaming tonight, probably. I will be. Unless you, I'll, I'll be. Unless you get sick. 
I, I don't, hopefully that won't happen, yeah. but so, but, yeah. Uh, uh, most likely, yes. You're probably streaming tonight. Yes, comes out. I'll be drawing. You'll be drawing. I'll be there at 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and yes. uh, the rest of the time zones. You can you can do the math from there. And you I'm at it. Almighty Strauss on Twitter, Blue Sky Twitch. We're on Twitch. I'm streaming Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with you there. We're playing Persona 5 Strikers. It's been fun. It's been so much fun. It's been so much fun to be back. And then, well, Mean Keanu is coming soon. Oh, I can't wait. We're going to probably have to talk about that game, too. <laughs> Whoops. We keep talking about games I've streamed, and Sardo was there to join me through the through the whole of it. We're, we're in this together. It, like, at this point, it wasn't planned to go this way, but fuck it. Here we are. Yes. But anyway, folks, thank you all for coming. We will see you next Monday where we'll talk about something different. Yeah. I don't know yet. We haven't decided yet. We shall We're see. We're recording this current episode. How would we know? We that would be very till... impressive. We'd have to at least wait until after we're done. Goodbye, everyone. Good night, everybody.